In today's episode, we're talking about some of the whys for accessible design. One of them being the litigious stew you could find yourself in when you don't make accessibility a priority. Welcome to Shift Left, your source for accessible digital design insights, trends, and critiques. I'm Steffi Hogan, your solo guide in this offbeat journey where we don't just talk about accessible digital design, we live it, breathe it, and occasionally we roast it. In a digital landscape brimming with potential, yet riddled with pitfalls, it's high time we prioritize accessible design from the beginning. Each week we'll debunk myths, call out the good, the bad, and the what the hell were they thinking, all while unraveling the secrets to making accessibility an opening act and not a grand finale. Let's dive into the world of Shift Left, where accessibility is more than an afterthought. It's the foundation. What if I told you that almost all websites and web applications are not 508 compliant? The 2023 Web AIM Million Annual Evaluation reports that 97.4% of the top 1 million websites are not ADA compliant. Now that's just testing out their home pages. Imagine logging onto a website or app and being unable to access vital information or services because of an avoidable design flaw. Frustrating, isn't it? Look, we often regard design as the bridge between technology and its human users, but sometimes that bridge is not built for everyone. Imagine designing a TV without an off button or like stoplights using the same color for go, slow, and stop. That's the equivalent of creating digital platforms without considering all types of users. Beyond the ethical importance of creating inclusive digital spaces, there is also a growing legal imperative to ensure accessibility. When it comes to designing for the digital realm, the stakes have never been higher. So let's talk about 508 compliance and the Americans with Disabilities Act. If you think that creating an inclusive digital space is just a matter of good ethics, think again. The landscape is steeped in legal intricacies. The ADA and Section 508, which is like used to measure web accessibility, they're not just nice to have guidelines. They are foundational pillars that ensure inclusivity is non-negotiable. Now get this, and I'm so happy about this. In Earlier in 2023, the Department of Justice ruled that websites for state and federal governments, as well as businesses that are open to the public, need to be 508 compliant. We're talking companies like retail stores, like uh, banks, hotels, inns, that kind of stuff, hospitals, medical offices, food and drink establishment, auditoriums, theaters, public education, that's just a sampling of the kinds of businesses. And here's a quote. Here's a quote from uh, the ADA.gov website. The Department of Justice has consistently taken the position that the ADA's requirements apply to all of the goods, services, privileges, or activities offered by public accommodations, including those offered on the web. What is 508 and what does it include? All right, there are a few things that we need to keep in mind. 
one of them is accessible websites and web tools. So any website or or online tool or digital thing operated by or on behalf of a federal agency needs to be made accessible. That includes everything from web applications to their external sites to their intranets, okay? The stuff you give your employees has to be accessible. Self-contained closed products. That's a weird way of including kiosks and touchscreen printers, right? So they have to be usable by people with disabilities without requiring someone else to come and help them or without requiring an end user to attach like a piece of assistive technology to that thing. Another one is video and multimedia products. Pay very close attention. This is super important. Presentations and the production of video content, anything that's digital, anything that is made for viewing by the public or federal employees needs to be accessible. Now that involves providing captions for videos, ensuring any graphics displayed are understandable, um, all of the good things you wanna do in presentations, copious white space, less cognitive overload, all text, all that kind of stuff. And then of course there's software applications and operating systems. The UIs on those things need to be 508 compliant. So when developers are creating them, or if you get a vendor to make it, those creators need to make these things accessible. Features might include like keyboard shortcuts and ensuring software is compatible with, with screen reading technology. So some of those are some of the overall categories of um, digital things that need to be 508 compliant. Okay, I know, I said I was gonna get into the legalities of this. I just gave you the why, the what you have to do. There are consequences of not being accessible to people. If you are inaccessible, you are basically saying that some people aren't worth the time and energy to have the same experience as anybody else. Maybe not the same experience, just something that is equally as awesome. With the laws laid out, you might wonder what happens if they are ignored. Well, recent history has some tales to tell. Um, not even retail behemoths are exempt. Target is facing a class action lawsuit. For what you might ask, their website didn't cater adequately to blind and low vision customers. Now, there are no exceptions, none, nada, for government entities. The sprawling expanse of Los Angeles County was slapped with a federal lawsuit over alleged ADA violations in their digital platforms. This isn't just a PR nightmare. It's a glaring reminder that public service websites have a heavy onus of responsibility. Now, beyond the legal tangles, there's a significant monetary sting, if you will. Immediate fines can skyrocket to $75,000 for first-time violations. They can double for recurring ones and can result in a loss of federal funding. That's not even factoring in the potential revenue losses or the long-lasting scars on brand reputation. Now, 508 compliance mostly focuses on physical disabilities for people who are physiodivergent, so their bodies work differently. It is incredibly 
important to take a more holistic approach and emphasize designing for neurodiversity. At first glance, some digital spaces might seem neutral, but like the physical world around us, they interact with our cognitive functions, emotions, and sensory perceptions. Neurodivergent individuals, such as those with ADHD, like me, autism, I have a lot of autistic friends, dyslexia, and all kinds of other things, like things I can't pronounce, they experience the digital realm differently. Designing with those people and me, it's not just an act of inclusion. It's a commitment to genuine understanding of your fellow human beings. Why am I harping on this? Why do I think it is so incredibly important to design for neurodiversity? Well, a couple reasons. Neurodiversity is, I mean, it's this natural and valuable form of human diversity. If you design with that in mind, we're acknowledging and valuing the full spectrum of human experiences. Another reason is that techniques that aid neurodivergent users often streamline experiences for everybody. Think of it as a ripple effect. Like when you're catering to specific needs of one group of people, um, it creates an overall smoother, more intuitive user journey. Think your drunk best friend who woke up in the morning and they like can't walk around because they're hungover. It's gonna help their journeys as well. But not only that, designing for neurodiversity is a promotion of positive mental health. Digital spaces can either be a haven or a minefield for those with sensory sensitivities or cognitive differences. So thoughtful design can minimize triggers and stressors and promote overall well-being. There's another one which I love. It's the empathy card. It broadens perspectives. By understanding and designing for neurodivergent individuals, we also broaden our own horizons. We cultivate empathy and it fosters innovation. I mean, after all, seeing the world through diverse lenses can only enhance our creativity. When we design with both physiodivergent and neurodivergent individuals in mind, we're not just ticking boxes, people. We're expanding the realm of what is possible in digital design. Every user, regardless of how their brain is wired or their body is built, deserves to navigate a digital world that understands and respects them. We've stepped into a world where our digital creations need to be mindful, inclusive, and legally compliant. It's not just about alt text or color contrast. It's about really, really understanding and valuing every user who interacts with what we create. It is our responsibility. And that's a wrap on today's Flavor of Shift Left. Don't forget, in the realm of accessible design, we're not just thinkers, we're doers. And sometimes we're do-it-againers, because let's get real, nobody's perfect. Keep challenging the norms, questioning the standards, and for goodness sakes, let's make accessibility a piece of cake rather than a tough cookie to crack. And don't forget to shift left because tomorrow's success starts with making accessibility a today thing. Mm -hmm.